In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. If you are anything like me, you probably have to have the same lesson repeated to you over and over and over again. We have been enjoying in our family our neighborhood pool. It's lovely to get back into the pool and have our kids get back into the pool, but once again, I have to learn lessons the hard way. Do you want to put on some sunscreen before you get into the water? Nah, I'll be good. Later that day and in the evening as I sit down, particularly with my head, ouch, why didn't I wear sunscreen? I've known this since I can remember, maybe six or seven years old. You as kids probably had that happen to you as well. You get a sun's sunburn and you say, why didn't I put on sunscreen? Or why didn't I put it on multiple times? How many times have I had this happen to me and yet I don't learn the lesson? If you go outside, particularly with no hair, wear sunscreen. It's ridiculous. The same goes true with the lessons that we learn spiritually in the Bible. The disciples, the inner circle of Jesus, these guys that followed him for three and a half years, they needed to learn over and over and over again what it meant to follow Jesus. They needed to learn things multiple times before they actually got it. Time and again, Jesus had revealed who he was. He saw that people were getting what they needed. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He forgave sinners. He gave sight to the blind, restored hearing to the deaf, and raised the dead. And yet the disciples, very much like me, maybe even you, were slow to get the lesson, to understand what was going on. Today is the same thing that we hear of with the miraculous feeding of the 4,000. Now you have to remember, this feeding of the 4,000 took place after the feeding of the 5,000. So this is not the first time that the disciples and Jesus have been in this situation. Stuck in a desolate place with a bunch of people who are hungry, maybe we would say today, who are hangry. People becoming a little unnerved. We've come out here to follow Jesus and there's no grub. You would think that the disciples would maybe pop into their head, hey, Jesus, we remember what you did with the 5,000. Jesus looks at them just like he does with the feeding of the 5,000. We've got to do something. We've got to give them something to eat. And the disciples come up with the same response. How? How are we going to do this? You think they might have learned by then, but then we should have learned by then as well. I should have learned to put on sunscreen like I did a long time ago. We have listened virtually to the same gospel over and over and over again. We heard about the feeding of the 5,000 back in Lent, which seems like eons ago. Then we heard about the feeding of the 5,000, the miraculous feeding accounts come around with us in our lectionary twice a year, but somehow we keep forgetting that the Lord will provide for us in body and soul, just like the disciples did, just like so many spiritual lessons 
that we constantly have to learn and remind ourselves. We heard of the feeding of the 5,000 back in Lent. What's happened to you since Lent? When we were all repentant and, and sorrowful for our sins, have you had any problems? Have you run short of bread? Have you run short of patience or hope? Have you fallen away from the Christian life of holiness? Have you stumbled into those sins that you keep repeating over and over again, those things you know that you're not supposed to do, those things that other people don't know that you do? Have you felt despair? Have you looked at your family, your work, this country, your health, your house, your office, your own soul, and have you felt like looking at God and simply saying, how? How do I get out of this? How do I make things change? How does the world come back from what we have encountered? Go back to what Jesus says today. Very simple little word. He starts off the whole thing today by looking at his disciples. The disciples who were worried about ordering from Grubhub for 4,000 people, who were worried about the fact that this isn't going to happen. But notice what Jesus said at the very beginning, his first words in the whole situation. We often probably overlook at them as well. Jesus says, I have compassion. I have compassion. For any of you pastors or who've been around pastors, you might hear your pastor talk about what that word is in the Greek. It's one of the funnest words to ever say. Jesus says, I have compassion. Splagnizomai. Say that with me. Splagnizomai. It's okay, you can say it. Splagnizomai. It's that gut-wrenching compassion that you feel in the bottom of your bowels all the way to your heart. It's that kind of compassion that makes you stop and say, there's a problem here, and I've got to do something about it. It's that kind of compassion that makes us realize that we aren't so important and that the needs of others might actually be. And like the compassion of so many others, Jesus is not the one who simply sits by and lets somebody else take care of it. He doesn't sit by and have somebody else pay for it. He gives it out. He embodies it as a gift. That's why Paul told us today, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus sees the need of the people in the wilderness, and he gives them the free gift of his splagnizomai, his compassion. And in the same way, the Lord Jesus sees your needs and my needs, your fears, your doubts, your concerns, the things that keep you up at night, and he has compassion on you. In our gospel today, Jesus simply wants us to learn the lesson that you have learned all the way back to Sunday school. Maybe Miss Colleen has even taught some of you that over and over again. The very fact that Jesus will not abandon his people. 
He will not send them away hungry. But the timing of his help isn't always what we would expect. It comes when everything else is exhausted. When we've looked at every possible place and avenue for help, for compassion, for maybe even a little bit of luck, which we really shouldn't even look to. It comes when the disciples have no hope, when we can see that there's no resource or solution. It comes when the people are starving in the wilderness. It comes when you and I are looking at God and saying, how? How can we get through this? But it only comes by Jesus and his command. A command that is filled to the brim with his love and his compassion for you, his people. But there's also an admonition here as well. An admonition in this help. Very much like after going to the pool without sunscreen when I lay down and I think, ow! All right. I get it this time, but maybe not. Jesus gives a little bit of an admonition in his compassion. He calls us to get our priorities straight. What recklessness we have showed on the part of following Jesus. The disciples had found that as well. They had gone into the wilderness with no food. They had already been there before. And they didn't plan. When we, by nature, put food and clothing and temporal things all before the word of God and the promises of Jesus, when we look at all of these things as an emergency, a dire need, Jesus shows us things in reverse. He says to us, pay attention to my word. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. You are my children. You are my disciples. I have called you by name in holy baptism. You are mine. I have given you the crown of everlasting life. I have laid down my life for you on the cross. I have shed my holy blood for you. What else do we need? What else could we be looking for? I will not let you starve. I will see to it that you have all that you need. Be still. And know that I am God. Listen to my word. Follow me and everything you need will be supplied to you. And so what does he do? He gives. He doesn't look at him and say, Now, you guys, you haven't learned your lesson. Now go home and learn what I tried to teach you today, even though the people are hungry and upset. No. He takes what is available. He takes the loaves and he gives thanks. That word there is oikaristo. I like to say these things as it makes me look smarter than what I am. That's where we get the term the Eucharist, the great thanksgiving. Maybe we could call this the same thing. We can and we should. He gave to them and he gave to his disciples. This should all seem familiar to us. This miraculous feeding overshadows the even more miraculous feeding that Jesus gives to you people in his church throughout time and space where he feeds you not with bread and fish, but with his holy body and blood. The same body and blood which hung on the cross for you. 
the same body and blood which walked out of the empty tomb victorious over sin, death, and the devil for you. The same body and blood in and with this bread and wine today at Christ's command. Even as we come into this place that sometimes it might seem desolate. That's what the disciples said today. You remember that? This place is desolate. They say that as well in one of the other gospel readings. And I think it is John or maybe Matthew. Somebody can come back and give me a 10-minute report next week on it. Where Jesus simply says, have the people sit down. And there it says, rather than being desolate, there was much green grass there. This is what Jesus has come to do. To be your shepherd. To lead you to the green grass of his pasture to lead you by the still waters, to feed you with himself. The leftovers are gathered, which is the opposite of what would happen with the manna in the wilderness of the Israelites. The manna in the wilderness could not be kept overnight. Those who tried that found that it had worms and it was stinky. But the bread of Jesus, the bread of life which comes down from the heavens, does not decay. For Jesus says to us, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life in him, and he will raise him up on the last day. That's his promise to you today. That is him having compassion on you. And it takes a childlike faith, doesn't it? There's a particular reason why we have the artwork on the front of our bulletin today. This comes from the 17th century. I don't know who painted it. But in some of the research of looking up this artwork, I found it utterly fascinating with this rendering of the feeding of the 4,000. There you see, even in the midst of the feeding of the 4,000, it's absolute chaos. People are stirring all around, looking how they're going to be fed. We could maybe say again that they're hangry. They don't know what to do. But if you'll notice on the left side of that painting, there is a little child giving his mama some bread. The child has everything in order. Unless you have the faith of one of these little ones, you will never enter into the kingdom of God. That is what we give thanks and praise for for God in his work through Colleen Mormon here for 25 years, gathering together all of the little ones to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, to receive Jesus. Sure, at times she might have said, just like you and I have said, how, why, what are we doing here? How is this going to happen? But 25 years later, we see that Jesus has been at work in her and through your gifts to support her and the ECDC so that yet others may come and receive and know who Jesus is as their Savior, so that those seeds might be planted for those little ones that as they grow up into the life of chaos and questions, they may be firmly rooted and grounded in the compassion and love that Jesus has for them. It's been the mission of this church Lord willing, he will provide and continue to work in and through Colleen and her wonderful staff that that mission may continue as well. Why, you might say? Because it's what we are called to do. 
you might wonder for a moment, why do we have all of these accounts of the feeding of the 5,000 and now the feeding of the 4,000? The feeding of the 5,000 took place in an area where the Jews, the chosen people of God, were located. The feeding of the 4,000 takes place in the heart of where the Gentiles are located, where those people who are not even called of the household of God are located. And here you see that Jesus is establishing his kingdom, first through the Jews and then through the Gentiles, and then for everybody throughout the whole world, even us here in little old Little Rock, Arkansas, today. This is what the church's answer is for his salvation and his work for all people. They will not faint on the way. Those who are far from afar, those who are close to Jesus, will get deliverance and salvation. So Jesus is telling us today that he wants us to continue, not only gathering here, but doing what Colleen has been doing, and all of you have been doing through your wonderful gifts and your time. We do all of this so that others may be brought before Jesus in his word and in his sacrament. For when Jesus feeds you with himself, he not only forgives you sin, your sins, he tells us to go and sin no more. This is why Paul told us today, you are no longer slaves to sin, you are set free. But I'm sure you might be sitting there like me and saying, that doesn't seem like I'm doing so well with that. And I'm not, and I'm sure you aren't either. This is why we need the lesson over and over again. This is why we come to this place over and over and over again. Not only do you have the devil prowling around you like a roaring lion, seeking to tear you apart, but you and I are our own worst enemies, taking us away from Jesus. Jesus has come today to tell you that you have been set free by his cross, but he also tells you and I to sit down so that he can splagnit, so am I. He can have compassion on you. He knows your sin, he knows your weaknesses, he knows your needs, and his answer is compassion. He will not send you away empty, but he will give you precisely what you need when you need it. He takes our weaknesses into himself and gives us in the great exchange his righteousness, his freedom, and his life. So be glad. Take heart, no matter how often you need the lesson taught to you. Jesus has compassion on you. He will not send you away hungry, no matter how many times we have to be taught it, because of his unconditional love and compassion for you and for the life of the world. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.